Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cast of Call, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the man who gives me all the best advice about life, computers, real estate, life, art, <laughs> life, <laughs> DJ. I feel like uh, a few of those like are recycled over and over again. I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, little... that's how much good advice you give me about life. It needs to be said at least three times, thrice, <laughs> thrice times. <laughs> Always have seven bank accounts. Why? Because you can live like a drug dealer. Wait, is that a true thing that you do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Okay, uh, so this is real quick, but uh, this is actually good and interesting for everybody. Um, okay. If you ever go to an ATM... And you try to withdraw money from your bank account, you will run into a standard banking rule that happens across most banks, which is that they limit you to either three hundred or five hundred dollar maximum single day limit withdraw. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get around that is either to go to the bank, and that doesn't work on weekends or evenings, or to call a bank teller and have them set up the one-time transaction to be higher for a single day. But that also takes time and can take up to a day or two to, to get sorted out. So if you, Rachel, find yourself in a situation where there's like a smoking deal on a pinball machine, for example, mm-hmm. and, and like this is like, I don't know, maybe like the Simpsons tapped out pinball game. <laughs> And uh, it normally runs $5,000, and this weird guy is trying to sell it to you on a street corner for 2000 You wouldn't be able to get $2,000 out of the bank to buy said item, or 1500 bucks, anything over 500 So if you have uh, more than one bank account with, like, $600 in each one, then at any given time in an emergency, you can come up with that times 500 in cash to escape uh, – you know johnny law or any any other number of things <laughs> so this is actually something that you do though you have seven bank accounts yes interesting like i i lo- you are not someone i would consider to be like an anxious person oh no no i'm not worried about like getting like the, the cops co- well the cops have come after me but like <laughs> that's yeah. a whole nother story that's a whole- we'll save that for the bonus <laughs> yeah exactly but like as far as the bank accounts go like i used to just have a safety deposit box with like a large cash amount in there so that if yeah. some weird transaction happened but um with some of the safety deposit boxes like it takes work to get there and to, to right. get it out and like there's there's times when it's available and times when it's not so i just switched over to this method because it was it was a little easier but how do you keep – I mean like I, I'm such a bad bookkeeper. Like how do you keep track of making sure that you're not like – that there's money in – do you just put money in it and it just sits there and collects? Yeah, it's just that. So there's just – And you don't get penalties for never like adding to No, they're to all like uh, online or... bank accounts. So none of them have any issue with, uh, with minimum amounts in the account or okay. any fees or anything like that. So they're all fee-less. They all earn like – point zero one percent interest so you know typical bank account stuff and like you just have them sitting there waiting and you know when you need it you you know you go to your little box of six cards and like add them to your wallet and then head over to the atm wild okay so i have a new idea for what you should be doing for the dream thief production youtube channel there needs to be like life advice with dj like life hacks with deej (laughs) 
that's my vote for your channel. And it's just like the weird things, not weird in a bad way, but like unexpected, unconventional things that you have, like hacks you have found out to to live your best DJ life. Have you never lost out on like some crazy opportunity because you just couldn't get your hands on like your own money? Mm, I mean, well, I- <laughs> I definitely missed out on opportunities of things that I really wanted, but I not because I couldn't get my hands on my money, but because I didn't have any money. Oh. <laughs> Time. So, like, I can identify with the problem that your solution addresses. I just haven't firsthand experienced that specific need. Well, in the old days, it used to be, like, someone would write you a check, but, like, right. no one's going to take a check or you effing kidding me like that's wacky tobacky i'm gonna write something on a piece of paper and hand it to you no no right thank you yeah i used to, when i was little i thought checks were magic like you just wrote a check whatever you wanted you just wrote a check i didn't understand that you had to have the money in the bank <laughs> that could have that could have turned into a real unfortunate crime spree if i had got my hands on a checkbook so just because you have seven bank accounts does not mean you're a criminal okay i like it just like if you have a pager in 2022 does it mean you're a- <laughs> <laughs> Can you even get pagers? Like they must someone, still exist, right? Someone needs to snope that for me and find out if you can just like legit get a pager. Because I feel like you could get one at the same place where you can get like VCR repairs done. <laughs> Does that still happen? I think it must, right? There has to be some cottage industry for like weird old tech like that. I mean, I worked at a repair shop in like the 1990s, and like they were about to go under back then. I can't imagine like anybody is out there servicing televisions or vcrs anymore unless they're like worth gold and they're you can get a vcr for like 15 bucks hmm let's see here where can you find i'm trying to google it pagers oh my god yeah they still have them like there's they i mean oh okay okay so um if you scroll down you kind of get the context so what they're doing is this is like an in-hospital type of oh So you could still have uh, DJ, bring it back, bring it back. back. The '90s are back. Bring back the beeper. I mean, Danny just bought a flip phone. See, next up, as we spiral back through time, beeper. And your the first one you're going to get is going to allow you to like send like actual alpha like alpha numeric stuff. But then the next, (laughs) yes, but then the next generation will just be the one with the little you know green screen on the top and all you can do is <laughs> is just you have to learn relearn pager language where like all of the numbers mean a letter <laughs> there was a joke on reddit the other day that was like in the 90s i had to push like 14 buttons to say i love you and so i didn't <laughs> oh my god if there are young people listening right now they're like who are these dinosaurs and why do we care about this (laughs) i'm not even oh i am that i'm middle-aged so there you go isn't that weird i don't i don't like it i reject it all right let's move on before i spiral um (laughs) so plan for this episode aside from this nostalgia trip to beeper town we are going to kick off the show with an in-depth conversation of wolves of the Kala part one toe dash chapter one the face on the water and then we'll close out the show with our listener question, which I just realized I never came up with mine. Oops. So I'll be doing that. Like, I'll be micro, like in the back of my head. I'm going to be thinking about the answer to that. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun show. But before we get into it, DJ, do me a favor and please remind our listener of how we handle spoilers up on this here podcast. 
Well, like a stingy man hoarding fat in his purse, we will get out that grease and smear it across the ground to let you know when we're going to start sizzling up some spoilers in the spoiler zone. Yeah, and there might be spoilers this time. I don't know about you. Do you feel like we're going to have to have some, like, large picture conversations? I mean, I've got some questions on a few Uh rando things Uh that I'm just Uh like, I think this means something, but I forgot what it means. And so Rachel hopefully did the, like, star... Star nine, what is it? Star nine one one or something like that. To, <laughs> pound, to call pound, find hashtag. Out yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, there may be spoilers, but don't worry. If we do veer into spoiler territory, as I suspect we will, I will not only we'll not only warn you, but I will come back in and ADR a timestamp that you can skip to because I know some people are reading this for the first time, and I like honestly, I, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody because it's it's such a good journey. Oh. It was star six seven. That star was the six, thing. Seven. Remember when you would type in star six seven and it would give you the phone number of the last yes, call? Yes, yes. And star six nine like, would call the phone back, book, right? It would like robot their name and be like, nah, 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 nah. yes. And star sixty nine would call people back. I remember because that like if effectively ended my prank calling career. Like the first time someone <laughs> star sixty nine you back, you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> That's not how this is supposed to work. <laughs> It's like if a door you doorbell ditched someone and they like you opened your door and they were there. <laughs> Hello, who is this? Can I speak to your mother? Yeah, that's it was the worst. Damn, curse you, Star Sixty Nine. And then do you remember party lines? That was oh, yeah, like uh, the shit. So in the Midwest, the the phone system was upgraded way later than the rest of the country. Okay. So what would happen is. Um, it was a natural form of party line, like a party line you called into. But with this, it was like seven people to 12 people on a street would have the same phone number. What? Yeah. It, and in so, the 90s? Yeah, in the 90s. Like, what? And they call it a party phone because they didn't have enough telephone wire in that area. So it just ran from house to house to house. And then at each phone, they set a little um, distinguisher. So after uh, you dialed the number, you hit like seven or eight or five or six, and it would ring the phone in that person's house. But any person in that group could pick up the phone and hear the conversation that was going on if someone was already on the line. So Wow. (laughs) Dial-up must have been a bitch. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, one kid like lived close to the CO and was like able to get a 50 – 50, uh, 52k modem or 54, 56, no, 56k 56, modem. Yeah. Yeah. 56. And like everybody else is on 14.4. Oh, jeez. And you're like, damn, this kid's like, he's getting onto the message board so fast. He can download like a text document in like five minutes. Yeah. He was like Crazy. the cyber version of like the kid on the block with a pool. <laughs> i mean okay so if you guys if you're younger go watch um lawnmower man oh and, <laughs> and realize what we all thought the future might possibly look like or go check out johnny mnemonic remember how we did um we did one of our bonus extended episodes was a review of um sleepwalkers i feel like we should definitely yeah. do lawnmower man at some point Ooh yeah are you yeah. into it I, okay okay I, all right anyway whew. let's get into this one all right where did we last leave off with our with uh i guess we weren't actually with the content where did we last leave off with our reading so we had the entire town in a meeting and we found out that the uh, wolves are coming and uh the robot told them and uh the preacher is basically like i know that there's some gunslingers coming to town let's go check them out yeah 
And then we cut to Roland and the gang, who are said gunslingers walking through the forest. And uh, yeah, so that's where we left off. And where we find the gang is kind of in a um, flashback moment where Stephen King is kind of catching us up with this gap between when they left the Crystal Palace and like where they're at now. And and we kind of find out that they don't really know what time looks like and that it's sort of kind of floating. And like uh, Eddie says this really interesting thing that's like when nothing is happening, time goes as slow as it can. Mm-hmm. And when there's like something happening, it, it speeds way up. And so they're not really sure how long it's been since they left the um, the Emerald City. And they mention again the lunches that were politely packed uh-huh. for him. And that Roland should swear off the towers, which, like, obviously he's not going to do that because this is the Dark Tower series. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of, like, hanging out and wandering down the road. Uh, we find out that, like, food was scarce for a little while. Um, and then it wasn't okay. scarce. All right, let's uh, pause. We're getting if we're getting to where the food is longer <laughs> squares, so we gotta gotta pause real quick because we gotta talk a couple of things before things start like actually picking up again in the story. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Like um, the mention of the train and Eddie's, you know, number and yes. then um, yeah, 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 and. Yeah, okay, I'll let you dive in here because if you let me go, I will just whip right Yeah, because this it's chapter. this is one of those chapters where like not a lot happens, but there's lots of little subtle things like and a lot of plants being seed seeded and then as well as there's a lot of like previously on where you know like I don't know about <laughs> you but like I tend to skip the previously ons for things because too often it's like a clue as to what I'm about to watch because they're like oh wait we need to remind you of this plot point and I think some of that King does a slightly better job of dis- of disguising it because I think there's some of it is genuinely like it has been however many years between the last time we were with the content and this book. And so I need to remind listeners of where we actually left off. Like it's, it's essentially the thing we do, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and actually like while we're on this, I have a couple of questions because they are little subtle things that are hard to like weave into the plot, but are part yeah. of this. So there's two mentions when they jump over. One is that um, they know they jump from one you know world to another, but like, they don't know how. And then there's another one, and this is something I don't remember much about, is um, on top of time being weird, compasses are yeah. weird. So so what's the story there? I, mean, I think there's a couple – there's like a – I think a sort of literal thing that's happening. Like basically they're saying that both time and space are have breaking down. Like when he was young, time was a little soft, and we find out sort of the state of the world is reached the point where even directions and things like that are no longer fixed. But I also think there is a meta commentary that's happening here. God, are we already going to go into spoiler territory? Um, okay, so... Oh, no, 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 it, I mean, I don't think it's avoidable because I think it's kind of what this part is about, is essentially... So I'm not going to, like, end of book spoilers here, but I am going to talk a little more loosely than I normally would. So if you are super spoiler-averse, I'm going to put the timestamp when you can come back right here spoilers end at 18 minutes and 18 seconds all right so i feel like there's something very meta happening in this commentary right stephen king is has essentially abandoned this story for however many years between the books and okay when eddie says something like time being created by external events Oh, okay, okay. 
you're you're making sense mm-hmm. now. Oh, that's it's kind of stupid. I mean, it it it's except that it when we get later to when things get very explicit in that direction, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel quite as arbitrary. Like the there are breadcrumbs here that the first time I read this through, I was not picking up on. And now that I know kind of some of the places, I don't remember everything about this book, and I know that is a major plot point that is coming soon in one of these books. Yeah. To know that that didn't just happen totally arbitrarily, like it felt like the first time I read it, was interesting to be like, oh, from the first time we catch back up with Roland and the gang, the first thing he tells us about them is that they are basically lost in this you know, kind of time wasteland. They're directionless. They're, they're, it's sparse and every day is the same. And some days, you know, last for 40 days. Some don't. They're lost in this time desert, right? And it kind of is reflective of the creator who's like allowed his story to grow stagnant. And so time picks okay, up again okay. at the end of this when they have re-entered the story that's being told. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, yeah. Okay. I, I I will refrain from more spoilers, but yeah, that's kind of cheesy now that you've pointed. I mean, that's it out, my interpretation. Like, I don't. That's almost like a face palm. Like, cause anybody who gets to that point in the series is gonna. I, I don't know. It. So I, I don't want to like completely reveal, but anybody who's gotten through this series once, when they get to the that point with Stephen King you're like face palm this this is not my favorite thing uh, why did you do this and like I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody that was like this was great idea yeah like, so glad you did it this way and, and like maybe I'm wrong like maybe there's a guy or a gal out there that is just like this is genius I mean honestly but- I'd love to hear from them because I'm I'm keeping an open mind but I will tell you the first time I read through I also was like what is happening <laughs> right the the number 19 thing uh we already were introduced to it earlier but now it's sort of like solidified in the the gang and it's taken the place of the uh previous joke bum hug which was like kind of their thing that they bantered about and so it's gotten to the point where when they go to like pick up sticks for something they get 19 sticks and when they tell Roland a story about, you know, Hansel and Gretel or whatever, and he's like, well, how many other of these nursery stories are there? And, and they're like 19 without even thinking about it. And like they, it's just sort of become this like psychic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, they pointed out that it's, you know, a prime number. Um, and then, you know, Eddie is like, hey, guys, it's the number between 18 and 20. <laughs> and and they're like, ah, don't be dumb. And he's like, don't criticize the only talent I have. <laughs> I love Eddie. <laughs> and, and so, you know, basically it has become like uh, a group think um, with them. And Roland even like kind of muses that since Jake may be mildly psychic, that he is sort of propagating mm-hmm. and enabling this number among the group as like a group thought thing yeah so a couple of things here first of all like you said they're telling fairy tale stories and roland is listening to them in a way that um is surprising to eddie because as we learn he uses them as an opportunity to kind of like unpack the culture that created them which is interesting i mean it just you know roland is always kind of hard on his intellect but that's a very 
intellectual way to approach stories is like an anthropological way. But um, the other thing is, is I think it's kind of reinforcing this theme of stories within stories, which I won't go into again. We we also <laughs> had like Pear Callahan show up in the, in the intro, right? And these literary references that Stephen King loves to pepper throughout it feel like they're picking up the pace a little bit like in this section these two sections we get references to we have always lived in the castle hansel and gretel lady or the tiger um there may even have been another one what i'm curious about it is because it feels so intentional and it feels like the way that king is describing the way that roland listens to these stories feels like to use a djism like there he's underlining that three times right like and it and so i found myself wondering how portentous are these references you know like we in wizard and glass we know that those those things at the beginning of the book really did impact like they were clues as to what was going to happen in the book so as he's dropping all of these i was like reading synopsises of the ones that i hadn't read myself you know trying to figure out and and i think there's some degree of king kind of telling you maybe as an easter egg here that like we should be instead of just absorbing them passively like eddie expects roland to like maybe we should he he's talking to us and like paying attention to what the references are because maybe they are clues to what's to come or where his mind is when he's you know writing these books in terms of like themes and stuff well there's even a moment where uh they walk into like a clearing or something and there's a tree that's shaped like the number 19 (laughs) and you're like okay this means something like i mean you already know it means something but like Stephen King isn't just like saying, here it is. He's like beating you mm-hmm. over the head with it to be like, and then there's a tree that's shaped like 19. <clears throat> yeah. And, and uh, before we go too far along the 19 path, I want to circle back for a second and talk about the nursery rhyme because, or the okay. nursery story. Cause like, it's a really fun moment when like Eddie's trying to figure out how he's doing it and, or how he's listening because it's not the way he's expecting. And then Suzanne is, uh, Suzanne is basically like, yeah, he, he's not listening like a bushy eyed kid. He's listening like an anthropologist, right. like studying the history mm-hmm. of culture. And then, um, you know, every time they mention something like, is this like the candy story? Like Roland's like, I'll have you tell me that story now, please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then he likes they tell him the story and then like Eddie or Jake end it with like um, and they all lived happily ever after. And Roland stops him. He's like, that's just a thing we tell children, isn't it? Every culture does yeah. that. <laughs> like they'll have find out for themselves how the ending is. Everything in this feels very like. Yeah. Hmm, uh, and it's. You know that uh, what's that? I think it's a Disney show or something like that where they where they revisit fairy tales, but it's like post fairy tale, and like it shows like what happened after oh, the God. Yeah, it's I I don't know if it's Disney, but um, it's like you know Hansel or not Hansel and Gretel, but like uh, uh Rapunzel, and when they like save Rapunzel, like and then how their life is afterwards, and it's like you know not so oh, good. God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm guessing Hansel and Gretel are not going to be doing great after the trauma of almost being thrown in and eaten it thrown in an oven and eaten and then killing some old lady in the woods i feel like yeah i think that all of them though they're they're like i don't know somebody find this for me at some point in the future but uh uh it, it's definitely worth checking out if you, you can figure out what the heck my my galaxy brain is talking about um it's just like post ending to all of these nursery stories that you you hear there are these fairy tales mm-hmm. And, like, you get, like, after the fact, and it's, like, you know, pregnant lady with, like, seven kids who just hates her life. And, like, <laughs> a mean, 
a mean father who like tells his kids that he'll eat him, you know, that sort of thing. It's like kind of dark. Yeah, it's like whenever people talk about what really happens after the end of Return of the Jedi and like the all the shrapnel from the Death Star landing on Indoor's moon and killing all the Ewoks. Yep, yep. <laughs> anyway, so so yeah. Uh the other thing I think is interesting in the story thing is is Roland talking about the stew. Like, and he's kind of mm-hmm. like, what, you only want one genre at a time? One I was curious flavor. what you thought that was about, considering, I mean, these books are t- such well, a there's mashup. So, there's two two bits to that. The first bit is that, like, they are following the path of the beam, which is sort of like the yellow brick yeah. road. So we're already on this, like, Wizard of Oz thing. Mm-hmm. And then inside of that, like, he's telling them another... Um, you know fairy tale and roland points out like there's no fairies in this fairy tale and then like when they explain the genre they're like yeah there's many genres of stories and when roland compares it to stews it's like oh yeah yeah he's not in our stories and like they actually like self-reflect for a moment and think about it and they're like yeah you're right that is kind of weird that we we do it that way and i took that to mean from the time that this was written because when did this book come out like early 90s But I mean, yeah, he's so, like, in the midst of a story that, like, what he's describing, like, this is a weird Western sci-fi fantasy. <laughs> yeah, and and so like I I took that I don't know as a commentary almost from Stephen King on like that people were losing their creativity in the oh, world. roasted. Okay, okay, I like it. But maybe not. Like, but you're right. Yeah. So uh, like I felt like Stephen King is like. I'm the only one who's really doing anything original, you know, like, look at me mixing all these up. Everybody else is kind of lame. <laughs> As he's, like, directly referencing Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so then let's get into 19, because that's the other really big thing here, right, is all the stuff about 19, that they have developed almost this OCD-like obsession with the number 19, like, seemingly mm-hmm. out of nowhere. It's almost like it's almost like intrusive thoughts, or you might say an external event. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I will get into it again, but okay. Uh, but I think you know what I mean in reference to, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So do you remember the last time that 19 was a significant part of the books? Uh, well, the previous book had a reference to 19. And then I think so? Question okay. mark? I don't know. As soon as you say you did it, well, then I don't I'm know. Like... I, I'm, I could be forgetting because I the one the one I know about is not from the last book. Like nineteen may have come up, but where it was like a significant plot point. Oh no no no! There, I believe there was a moment at some point when they were talking about the crystals. Wasn't one of them like the number and also the color that made it like the most important um, crystal ball and also like the most dangerous mm, black thirteen. It was a black yeah. 13. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, I changed that in my mind to, to black 19 uh-huh. and was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's where they mentioned numbers before. And like, it's a very powerful number is what they said. But you're right. I think it was 13. I think it's really, really interesting, though, that this comes seemingly out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, they're all obsessed with it. But there is mm-hmm. no specific event, at least not in their journey. The last time that 19 that I recall, and I'm sure somebody out there is going to require correct me but either way i want to talk about this because it's it is a significant plot point if you recall back all the way back in the gunslinger do you remember okay. Okay. tell me more okay no so, i don't okay well this is gonna blow your mind then all right so 
It happened when Allie is telling Roland about the resurrection of the weed eater guy, Nort. When the man in black had come through town before him. Do you remember this? And he came in. I mean, I remember more like being back alive again, but not being right. Yeah. And they, um, like it caused like an orgy the, to happen and stuff. Yeah. But what, where was 19 okay. in that? So after the man in black leaves, Nort comes to her and says, he's left me a note for you. So in the note from the man in black to Allie, it says, you want to know about death. I left him a word. That word is 19. If you say it to him, his mind will be opened. He will tell you what lies beyond. He will tell you what he saw. The word is 19. Knowing will drive you mad. But sooner or later, you will ask. You won't be able to help yourself. Have a nice day, Walter O'Dim. P.S. The word is 19. You will try to forget about... You will try to forget, but sooner or later, it will come out of your mouth like vomit. 19. Now, what I was going to ask is this like one of Stephen King's ads when he went back through and like changed the paper know. stuff? Let me, that's a great question. Let's look that up. Because, um, because without going to spoiler zone, like the significance in 19 and like Stephen King's life. Like, yeah, well, I mean, 19 is the age that he started writing The Gunslinger. And then mm-hmm. the car accident was like something 19, 1999, right? Yep. Yeah, um, exactly. The car accident was the one I was thinking of. I didn't know about the he started writing yeah. at the age of so, 19. I mean, like, that's that's what's so weird about it, right? Is these weird coincidences of 19 in his own personal life. So let's see here. So, mm-hmm. okay. A major change between the two editions is how Allie dies. In both versions, she is held out as a shield and hostage by Sheb as the residents of Tull attack Roland. However, originally Roland kills her out of pure instinct. He's trained his hand to react quicker than his mind. She screams at him not to shoot, but it's too late. And the guilt of her death sits upon Roland throughout the rest of the story. In the revised version, she begs Roland to kill her because she spoke in 19 to Sheb. Uh-huh. Ah, uh-huh. I think you're yep. right. So this so is, is a version. I mean, but that being said, I, he obviously has planted this here for a reason, which is honestly even more significant because now we know this is him trying to tell us something, right? This is something we have to decode as as readers. So, like I said, in the book, the, the uh, gunslinger in the revised version, this kind of helps kick off that final slaughter of Toll. Is that when he returns to town after going and seeing uh, Sheila, I think her name was, um, he comes back and Sheb and Allie come bursting out of the bar. And like mm-hmm. it said here, she begs for her life because she's she's said 19 and now knows what's on the other side of death because Nort has told her or whatever. But what's also interesting is in the book, it it becomes once she reads that that note, it becomes almost again like an OCD thing where she feels this compulsion to say it like an intrusive thought, and she starts like writing it in the salt, like with her finger on the bar, and she, like she knows eventually she's going to say it. So to me, and then when he shoots everybody and kills everyone, the thing he thinks is when he sees them all crazy, he's like, oh, they've gone to the land of nineteen. So I think that maybe my copy is the old version because I don't remember no? any of that. That's why I was asking if like this was a rewrite because I'm like, this isn't striking a bell at all hmm. for me. And so, but I, 
you know, then you probably go back to that particular podcast. 19. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 1919. I mean, I feel like we feel like we did talk about it. So I'm probably wrong. Like my my adult I mean, it was brain also a couple years ago, so we're going to give you a pass. <laughs> but <laughs> the whole point is, is we now like going back and knowing that this had a very significant like marked the beginning of a very significant moment in his life it's interesting to me that when he spots the tree that's in the shape of 19 and he essentially on the horizon i mean it feels very much like an omen to me and he like the book says he's someone who believes in omen and yet he totally dismisses it and so i'm wondering if this is like a sign of him kind of subconsciously dismissing it or trying refusing to recognize that this is a warning of some kind that they're by passing this tree essentially entering into like the you know um land of 19 <laughs> is he trying to rationalize that away without realizing it what do you think i don't got me like the the whole 19 thing like so at first, like, I thought I remembered something different. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the tree, 19, okay. And they just cross from one, like, I don't know, world or mm-hmm. universe to the other. And, oh, yeah, maybe they're in world 19 now. <laughs> and then I, I, like, stop for a second. I'm like, no, you're dumb. That's not, that's not, that's you, like, thinking completely outside of the story. And you're probably reading three books at the same time. So you're just mixing stuff up. Um, <laughs> so then I, I ditched that theory. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, this is just Stephen King beating you over the head with 19 mm. again. And, and so I don't know, like, I don't have a good, like, you have a better plan on this one than I do as far as, like, deep thought. I do think it's interesting um, that both of these cases also follow quickly on the heels of the man in black leaving them a note. So there was the note that he gave Allie that leads to the land of 19. Mm-hmm. And then the last book, and uh, there's a note that is given to them that's like hanging from that tree that is referenced in the mm-hmm. first section of this where they're like doing the previously on. Okay. Maybe. maybe I am mean, I just, am I, am I, I, I still like, like the crazy conspiratory person with like the thumbtacks and the yarn right now? Cause I, <laughs> to me, I felt like it no, was something I mean, that I was like, Oh God, <laughs> that might be like, I was actually like more confused about the, the him making him lunch. I mean, that's super else. weird too. Right. I, it's like your your creepy friend made you like some nozzle on sodas and some sandwiches. You know, it's just super weird. The the sandwich thing was like the weirdest thing for me. The note I didn't even really hook those two together till you mentioned it. But I mean, it makes sense that if Stephen King really wanted to draw attention to it, he did it for that particular death scene you you just told me about, and then he does it when they run into him again at at the castle. Like this is his shtick is to write like a cute little note for somebody <laughs> i mean it's it is such a weird trickster thing too and it, it kind of speaks to the allure i think of the man in black like these like have a good day you're gonna go insane you know i that's my favorite <laughs> version of the man in black where he's kind of a little he's well i can tell you as a, crown a weird person myself vibes, like you know what i'm saying i write notes for people like if i sleep on your couch like you'll find a note somewhere in your house when i'm gone that says like something real odd and doesn't make okay. any sense in context <laughs> and like i've done that for probably 30 years of my life and so i can tell you if you like are in that zone of doing that you just like habit form yeah you know <laughs> so back to this note thing so i, I think you might okay. be onto something 
Is there any other examples of the man in black like no. leaving a note besides those two that we can Not hang that our I can recall. On? That's why I think it's kind of and we know I'm also thinking considering in how we talked about last time about how you got this sense that Stephen King was like, okay, we're in the end game now. Like he has a he has a plan of where this is headed and and I kind of feel like there that's sort of a watershed moment. So it makes sense to go back to be like here is a sort of like he had rewritten the gunslinger, right? And like here he had taken mm-hmm. that thing he had rewritten and seated it in here. Like I can't imagine that those things are not connected. But then I also am a total tinfoil hatter. So but it I also imagine some like angry Stephen King fans that are like they read the first few books and then like Stephen King went back and modified them yeah, to like when meet did his he needs in the future. It? He revised the book. King revised the gunslinger in two thousand three and then uh Wolves of the Kala really state i thought it was like 92 <laughs> 2003 <or> <laughs> 2003 so okay he put okay out, he so put that's out the gunslinger earlier in the year and then dropped at the end of the year dropped wolves of the cola so i am like now okay, fully okay. convinced of my conspiracy theory these things are very connected are you on yeah, board yeah, all right yeah, yeah. I agree. yeah i'm on board <laughs> and like it also is like it it stands true that like he decided to yeah. make it important and then like went back and, yeah, and noodled bit. it <laughs> a little little tweaky tweak okay. here and there. all right cool all right so that's what i had to say about that section oh. i don't know we get, we missed one like crucial Ooh. point that i want to yeah. like get back to and this is like jake heads out into the forest he's like getting some sticks and stuff and he comes back with these these like i guess bread balls, balls. type things they call yeah. muffin balls and like shows him to to Roland. Roland looks at him, and he's like, "I haven't seen a muffin ball in They're years." Wonderful. You know? <laughs> They're wonderful. They're <laughs> wonderful. And, and like uh, Jake purposely didn't eat them because he didn't know what they were or recognize them. And even after Roland like gives him the thumbs up and says that they're good to go, Eddie is still like not having it with these muffin balls. And Roland like warns the only issue is that they have like little spikes on them that are kind of tough and can t- kind of taste bad. And so you got to pull those off and cook them in a little bit of like uh, um, of of deer fat. And like Eddie, that's where that the starter joke came from. Is <laughs> Eddie's like, I bet that old codger has some hidden in his thing. And like Roland produces <laughs> some deer fat that he's been like holding in his man purse. It's like that's super weird. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so the other thing he he comes back with a little bit of news when he brings the muffin balls you want to talk about that too yes yes the scat yes which is rude the scat man <laughs> um oh so, so basically with the scat um it's i don't this was another one i wanted to actually ask you about because it like maybe i'm missing the the tone here but jake's like if any of you guys are hungry for meat and i know i am there's plenty of scat out in the forest and then he says it slower, like plenty of scat in he the says, forest. Very fresh scat. Yeah, and like Roland's like, say what you mean, son. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, how in the very fresh scat statement is that him like saying like you know like knowing? I guess the confusion I have is like basically Jake then elaborates that there are men watching him in the forest, and there's a at least four people and then Roland corrects them there's five people out in the distance you know one of them's as young as Jake one of them's a girl and so on and and Roland was like waiting for the gang to to see who would actually pick these folks out but like 
the the issue is is like how did Roland get from like there's fresh scat in the forest to like say what you mean? Like I, I couldn't put that together myself, so I was hoping maybe you had something. I mean, I think he was trying to insinuate we're not alone, essentially. Like he saw evidence of peoples. People poop. Yeah, I think that's what he was kind of getting at. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and then um, and then basically like. It turns out Roland has known that these folks have been following him for quite some time mm-hmm. and that he was just sort of like cleverly waiting to see which one of them would f- figure it out first. And he had actually kind of uh, bet on Susanna figuring it out and she yep. hadn't and Eddie either. And like this puts like a little moment where Eddie sort of like looks into himself and is like, what? I'm losing my my skills like i still got a little new york in me actually like Uh while i've adapted to this world well like i haven't completely gathered up all of this world as part of my skill set you know which is kind of an interesting moment too because like well we'll get to the the new york stuff in a bit but yeah (laughs) so so yeah uh i i think the thing that stood out to me more that eddie didn't notice is that Susanna didn't notice because again i think Roland is like, I thought it would be you. And that's like, hint, hint, nudge, nudge that something is going on with her. Right. Mm-hmm. Because she would have noticed it. So I personally was just like, oh, no. <laughs> but it's worth noting. The other thing is I thought was really interesting is that granted, they didn't notice for a while. But my impression was that Andy was not an especially graceful robot. He was kind of clunking around. Mm hmm. But they noticed these people, but never noticed Andy, but Andy knew they were coming. So how does Andy know that they're coming if he wasn't able to get close enough to sense them without them sensing him? Well, that one's actually, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm like logical. Did he just have like mega robo eyes? No, no, no. So uh, remember um, when Andy is like not Andy directly talking to the, the dude in the field, but Andy um his post like evaluated story from the preacher is that that there was also a mention of like a glass structure that like appeared and then disappeared in the distance right down the old road well andy if he saw that he probably also saw like the gang appear from the castle before the castle disappeared right because mm. like they get kicked out okay. of the castle and okay. then the castle disappears so that means that like andy was on the horizon when that happened and would know that the strangers in the castle were there. So he's like basically got both of those checked. And and this is more like forest area where they're like wandering around in trees and like, you know, whatever. And you remember the description before it was like kind of a flatland. Right. And then they finally like kind of get to where there's some forest and stuff. Okay. I guess that's, does that check like check out? Kind of. I mean, it doesn't totally, I mean, I guess when we found out that Andy knew about them, we didn't know how far away they were. Mm-hmm. And now that we know that they were pretty, f- I guess, honestly, maybe they weren't that far. I don't know. Well, if Andy because got close enough to see weird, the... I, they just talk about like going through endless fields. Mm-hmm. So I guess he could have like robo eyes, but I'm just like, does he also have like satellite connection? Like, how does he see these people so far away without them sensing him and get back to them? Well, that's if he's just, okay. Like, so around if you if you ever go grab yourself a pair of long lookers and yeah, and you uh, you go look in the distance like you can see something clearly from um, 
from far enough away that the other person would just kind of be a speck. And that's not really a hard reach. That's like literally just but a, he knew they were gunslingers. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. So like in any Western, uh, maybe that's a better example. So have you ever seen that moment in the Western where like the guys are up on the hill and then there's yeah. like some some bad guys or good guys coming from the distance and he just like puts the little like one piece on his eye and the camera cuts to that and you can see like the whole person no problem and like they're standing out in in broad daylight in the middle of everything and like those people down there can't see him. Yeah. And so like if you're a robot, I would hope that at least you have better than 2020 vision. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm sorry, I'm wrecking the the funness of being. No, like, I just, I guess, I, I, I think that there's you have plausibility on your side, but I just, they walked so far, and through like through the wood. How did he see them so far away? I don't know. Well, okay, here's the whatever. other possibility. So we've already discussed the the nature of time dilations, right? Like yeah. they're walking, and some days are forty days long, and some days are a day long. Well. You know, if you're in a area and like maybe they're like local time dilations. So if Andy's standing off in the distance and one day is is 40, 40 days for them, then Andy could be there, see them and leave. And that would be like a split second for the the gang because of the time difference between where Andy's standing and where they're at. So if you want to get mystical, that's the other way to easily like kick this out the door. Mm, okay <laughs> i mean i i think i'm just suspicious of Andy, so i'm like <laughs> I'm like not with your reasonable explanation okay so are you saying bad. like he like talked to the man in black and like it was in cahoots i'm just saying like left the note oh, i want to know what he what he he knows when the wolves are coming and he knows these people are coming we didn't know it when he first told us this how far away they were and so now it feels sus to me that's all i'm saying i'm just saying it's sus <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I'm raising questions. I don't have answers. I'm just raising. I'm questions. just asking questions here. Just asking <laughs> questions. <laughs> All right. The other thing I think we get here is just kind of like a rundown of where our quartet is at, like sort of the state of their connection, of their mood. And one of the things that we've learned is that Roland is starting to smile more and has a twinkle in his eye, which is kind of nice, but also set against this idea of them kind of ignoring these potential warning signs of 19 and knowing how Stephen King rewrote history to tell us things about the land of 19 is a little concerning. Um, but also we find out how the, the, the content has really come together at this point to the point where they will know psychically if the other one is in danger, which I thought was, was interesting. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. So when Jake goes to find these muffin balls to begin with, like he's gone for a while and the everybody asks like do you know where jake's at and roland just like nonchalantly says you know you'd feel it if he he was in danger right and like they don't even question it they're like oh yeah, yeah you're right good point okay never mind jake's fine. right which I, I i like that i mean i you know i'm very interested in the interpersonal relationships <laughs> and i don't feel like we get a ton of time of them like because I guess there's really nothing going on. There was a, a decent chunk of time that passed between the last time we saw them. But we don't, because there's not really anything happening. We don't really 
touch down with them. So we don't see a lot of these interactions. So it's good to kind of get a shorthand of like, this is how this relationship has progressed at this point. It was interesting. Uh, they're also pretty rude about the folks that they find off the distance. Yeah. They're like, um, slew I forget, foot. Yeah. So slew foot. That's, that's it. And I, I think slew is like, is that acronym for slippery? Or like, uh, so I looked it up, and I think it just means like, like accident prone, bumbling. Oh, okay, kind okay. of, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. So like, they're they're speculating on like what these folks are up to, and like Roland's like, they're obviously not up to anything nefarious. They're just interested in what we're up to because they would have sprung upon us earlier and been fly food by now, and mm-hmm. and they are not fly food, so. Right. So they'll either lose interest in us and walk away or we'll eventually uh, come to meet up with them. Yeah. It's interesting because he kind of has an instinct for what these people actually want, which made me think like, oh, this must be maybe this is sort of one of the standard gunslinger jobs, right? Is to kind of be like the wandering Ronin. <laughs> That's kind of cool, actually. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. I, I would read that book. <laughs> um, So fi- finally, like. Eddie gives in to eating these muffin balls. Like they cook them. Like he's like, okay, give me one of those. And like immediately as they're discussing the flavor, they mention this, um, uh, Zabar's, I believe is the name of the uh-huh. a grocery store. And it's like a deli. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and Eddie doesn't Eddie? recognize it, but Susanna and Jake both immediately are like, yeah. And like Susanna even like kind of spouts like what you would think of as like a, regionally specific grocery store jingle type of thing uh-huh. like from an advertisement of Zabar's and they both kind of like have this moment of like oh yeah and then all of a sudden Roland is like hey guys just want to let you know when you enjoy these muffin balls they give you very vivid dreams mm-hmm. and like Jake's like like you get high and Roland's like what and he's like and then Jake like kind of has this moment where he thinks about his dad. He's like, his dad was a purveyor oh, of of weird, weird things. <laughs> and like Roland's like, no, no, they they don't get you high. You just have vivid dreams. And like the very specific difference between that is even in reference to like, you know, when you did mescaline and like saved yeah. me from that. Uh, uh, um, not homunculus. Uh, um, shoot, what is, what's the name for the lady in the Succubus. circle? Succubus. Thank you. <laughs> No, homunculus no, <laughs> is a whole nother thing uh, yep. but yeah so he's like no no not that kind of high like it just gives you vivid dreams and it almost is like when they found the ball roland recognized it he not only like recognized it but i think he recognized the significance of it and like mm-hmm. cooking it up for him and like you know finally getting eddie to take a bite of it was sort of like like a, it felt like a plan Roland mm. almost and then interesting and then them having their sort of like immediate connection to the smell of the mushrooms and and mentioning a New York and then there's another thing and this is what I wanted to ask you about uh, Stephen King sort of mentions like as they're settling in for the night to fall asleep that like uh Susanna is already gone and uh-huh and I didn't understand, like, I, I, you're doing the uh-huh, so I know you know something, and, like, I, yeah, simple fact. <laughs> I, can't, I can't answer that question, but we'll find out soon. I'll tell you that, that there is, that's a foreshadow, and you will have an answer. Okay, okay, because, like, I got to that point, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? And then I, like, skipped on to, you know, the next bit, and mm-hmm. they're in New York, and it's like, well, wait, 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 
What was what was that about Susanna? What was that? Mm-hmm. So, couple of quick things. First of all, I think we get another previously on about the lobstrosities, and also oh yeah, I had the flavor. I forgot about yep. that. Yep, that's all I'll say about that. And then, because I do think it's another like, remember these two plot points? They might be important. So anyway, New York. Yeah, so again, we get another call back to the wasteland with Eddie and Jake sharing not quite dreams of New York. And I was thinking, first of all, like if muffin balls can like get them back and forth between worlds, that's a very useful tool. <laughs> Where were those when they were like tearing holes through the universe and like poor Susanna's having sex with like a demon in a speaking circle? You know, like there, a lot of effort went into people getting between worlds, people getting pushed under cars. All you had to do was eat a muffin ball and take a nap. That, that doesn't <laughs> seem fair. But then I was thinking about how they were talking about how jake has the touch and he's gonna find out what that means and maybe it's powerful who knows and i almost feel like the muffin balls are like jake is the battery to take what the muffin balls do to the next level Hmm. okay what do you think what do you think that's my theory i have no idea if that's true so my theory your theory like lego blocks in with my like roland already knew like what was going to kind of happen yeah, with these could be because he I noticed even, Roland is not in New York with them, at least not yet. Yeah. I don't know about in the next chapter. And he even mentions like he mentions that like Jake has the same powers as um, um, Elaine and just not as powerful. So like the muffin balls, maybe like he already knew that it would increase Jake's like psychic ability and like kick him off into New York. It, right. it just like if, it felt yeah. like he knew more than he was saying when he. I mean, he always does. Yeah, but this time it was like it was like extra mischievous. Hmm, like, I'll have to read it again. He sort of spelled it out as like, no, it, it's not going to make you high. It's just going to give you vivid dreams. Like, so just remember, guess, these are just vivid dreams. Remember, vivid dreams. Okay, like that is actually now that you're saying it, now I'm getting suspicious. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, you cannot give a paranoid person like me information like this and not expect me to be like, I buy it completely. <laughs> This is the old, uh, did you turn the oven off? Are you oh, sure? <laughs> but you're right. He Like, I guess Eddie does say, like, you know, he's not usually the solicitous about our, the, you know, our mental health. So maybe he did know something like this could happen. Like, basically, the dreams are prophetic, but mm-hmm. Jake is able to take it to the next level of actually, like, putting you somewhere. And then I also, the, the other bit, and, and, and so to finish this up, like, the last scene of this chapter is them, like, showing up in New York and being like, poof, we're in New York. And, like, it's Eddie, Jake, and Oi. But at what point did Oi eat any of these muffin balls? Because I don't remember that kind of. I mean, that's Jake for you, right? Like, maybe Jake pulled him through. Yeah, or, I mean, maybe, like, he just gets to eat whatever they eat. So, like, eh, it's implied, it you know. Maybe, that yeah. Yeah, I like that this chapter ended with like the thing that always kicks off our recordings, which was game on. <laughs> I know when uh, when you were like uh, messaging back and forth, that's why I threw the game on in there. It's like, game on. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. So I think we touched on everything I wanted to talk about. I guess I just want to know, like, what do you think of this chapter? Oh, it's good. Um, this is one of those things where, like, if I didn't sit down with you and discuss all the little bits and bops mm-hmm. um, completely, I don't think I would have spent nearly as much time even thinking about this right. stuff as we have now. And mm-hmm. 
sometimes that's uh, daunting because it adds too much to think about to your plate. But in this case, I felt like it actually <laughs> opened up what was otherwise like a benign chapter into something that has like a lot more going on. Uh-huh. In it. So uh-huh. I, overall, like I learned some stuff from you. Like I didn't know what a slew foot was. <laughs> <laughs> and like i didn't realize that stephen king also started writing when he was 19 so like that yeah. was another 19 reference so uh-huh. yeah and then like i was able to find out from rachel doing research that uh uh you know the revisions happened yeah yeah we did some real-time fact checking on this show don't tell me we just spout nonsense we do that but we also fact check. i feel like you like almost it. need like that comp- access main computer sound from like a movie right. where it's like <laughs> and the Computer. ticker tape is this in the revision <laughs> what about uh, you uh yeah so this i think i i agree with you right like this is a chapter that i think when i would normally have read it or when i read it in the past i would have just blazed through it because i would have been like oh this is just you know Love. uh previously on stage setting whatever whatever like but because Part of my job when I'm because we do this podcast is to listen to it multiple times and like really carefully consider the words that King is using and the way that he's presenting and asking ask constantly asking like why though but why though um, I realize that there's actually he's actually doing a lot in this chapter like it 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 disguises itself as being place setting. but he's really really planting a lot of seeds of things that are yet to come. Um, some of which I think I got and some of which I probably made up and then some that I probably missed. And so I think that's kind of exciting. And one of the ways that has in like this is in this process has really enriched my reading of the books is because before I just, I kind of, I feel a little bit like Roland, right? Like uh, before I, I listened to the stories wide eyed, like a kid listening to a fairy tale. But now I find myself engaging with these, this chapter, like anthropologically, like I'm like, what does everything mean? Um, which has been really fun. And I think this chapter is one that you could easily breeze by, but is really rewarding if you take your time with it and really consider what he's saying. Because I do feel like King is basically putting all the ingredients into the stew and he's about to put like, put on, you know, put the pedal to the metal. That is the most <laughs> mixed metaphor on the planet. But anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway so yeah overall i liked it so what's on the plate for our next round all right for those of you who are playing along and i hope you are next up we are going to be reading where's my notes it says what it is oh yeah uh we're gonna be reading chapter two new york groove so that'll be this is gonna be eddie's first time literally back in new york since he was a junkie I mean, vivid dream, Rachel. Vivid I mean, yeah, dream. Oh, vivid dream. Yeah, vivid dream. Right, 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 right. Cool. Okay, so um, I didn't catch any Stephen King connections, and I read all the news, and there was nothing, nothing too Dark Tower related. So I don't have anything on that front. Um, so that just leaves our feedback and, uh, or sorry, feedback. We don't have any letters this week, and our Facebook group question, which I posted in the Facebook. Let me pull that up really quickly. Facebook. And I know in the past, I promised I'm going to do these on the show, like uh, the question for the next on the show. Last time I was just like completely drawing a blank. Um, but I I do have one for this one for next episode. But this time it just went on the Facebook group. So if you're not on the Facebook group and you want to participate in these questions, just in case on days where my brain is just not working, you should you should just go ahead and join up. It's a good time. Okay, 
here we go. All right, so here's the question I pose to the Facebook group. All right, um, so I was trying to like think of like, you know, literary examples. I was like trying to get really deep and come up with a really good question that I felt wouldn't be so obscure that people couldn't answer. And then I was like, why am I not just having fun with this? I'm just gonna have fun with this. So I'm bringing back something that I always enjoy, which is a good old fashioned dream casting. <laughs> so technically he's not in this chapter, but last week or last episode, we met the very already like I'm obsessed with Per Callahan. And he just has the makings of Stephen King writes these characters that are just like instantly compelling. And he totally has that vibe. So I want to know who, if we were to make our dream version of this epic, who should be Per Callahan? Do you want to go first or do you want to hear what the listeners say? Oh, no, I, I this one's easy. Like, as okay. soon as I saw this question, I'm like, obviously, Gary Busey. What? Right? Why like, Gary Busey? Like, um, like the cocaine Gary Busey of like the like uh, police <laughs> drama, you know, okay, '90s television or '90s uh, movies. Okay, Gary so you Busey. mean like Gary Busey of a particular era, not Gary Busey right now? No, no, Gary Busey right now. I don't know if he could even like get through the casting because he's kind of you know brain damaged and stuff. Yeah, which is sad. Happy, not not happy, but like. He's a fun guy, but it's because of damage to neural Trauma, cells. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But like the like early '90s Gary Busey, where like he was still like wackadoodle, yeah, like Point Break Gary Busey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like when he was okay, like a cop, because okay. like that Gary Busey is like the wily eyes and the like yeah. craziness, and still like a little bit of unstable ground on the mental factors that would just like uh-huh. really put him into a Callahan sort of zone because you imagine like this is him after he's gone through like the craziest trauma of his life and like he's also like standing up against the locals and like being clever but also being like a little wily and like those are all things that i naturally attribute to early gary Busey. okay you know what? I'm, i went on a little bit of a journey i was like this is insane i can't see it at all but then when you when I started thinking about like that particular era of Gary Busey, you pulled me back in. He's a little young, but you know what? You could like with a little old age, like a little aging up, that era point would be pretty good, I think. Also, I really, really want to watch rewatch Point Break. I haven't seen it in years. Um okay, Yeah, all cool. those like early nineties Gary Busey films where he, like he's like a, a cop or whatever. Yeah, of course. <laughs> They're all like that Gary Busey like already had almost white hair and like yeah. was like his face just wildiness and like almost like intensity of stare at you. And yeah. that intensity is there now, but like instead of being like I'm thinking hard, it's like who are you? How did I get here? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which is a little dark, but ah, you know. Okay, so I was I'm always thinking about like a little bit aesthetic and a little bit like I, I feel like Pear needs a lot of gravitas, right? Because he can walk up to the front of the stage and call all these fools out for being cowards. And everybody just is like, whoop, shut up. Right? Nobody, nobody's like, oh, man, like they all just fall in line. Um, and I also wanted someone who would look like he belongs in this world. And so my choice for Pear Callahan, present day, Kurt Russell. Hmm. Kurt Russell, you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about him in the Hateful Eight 
or him in um what's the one where that where they blow those whistles and they cut him in half uh, i don't know what that one is cut him in half yeah it's really gross um I can't remember. But anyway, the point is he like has he's reached this place in his career where he's like perfect for Westerns. I think he has like the beard and the like gray hair and just but also and like kind of his he's got those like piercing blue eyes, but it's also like a little like sun baked. I don't know. I just think he would be he has the like commanding vibe and the charisma and just sort of that intimidating air. And he looks like he belongs in a Western. I think he'd be perfect as Pear Callahan. I think of him as too, like, well put together. So, like, I can't imagine him as, like, more wily just because I'm so used to Kurt Russell performance. Okay, hold on. Hey, I'm going to find a picture. I'm going to show you a picture because I, I know you are a visual person. DJ, and <laughs> you are. I mean, that's not a that's not a read. Like, you like to see it. And then you then you then you can decide. Okay, so let me send you this picture of him. Um, yeah, you know, I. Yeah, maybe I might buy it. That mustache definitely like goes from zero to hero. Bone tomahawk. That's it. Bone. Oh tomahawk. yeah, I remember bone tomahawk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like I, I think you're you're kind of selling me on it. Oh like, really? I, well, oh. and I'm looking at Kurt Russell, and then I'm like side by side in it with Gary Busey, and I'm like, you know, we're actually kind of like circling the same facial structure because like the nose, the eyes, the like, imagine if, like, he just didn't do his hair. Kurt Russell could probably pull off, like, a wily-looking, um, you know, Gary Busey. You just have to show more teeth when he smiles. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep, okay, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's who we picked. Let's see what the listeners had to say. I asked the, the Facebook um, folks, and they said, okay, let's start with Tabitha. So Tabitha says, oops, hold on. Tabitha says, maybe I'm blinded by American Horror Story. But James Cromwell makes a badass priest. Oh, I do like James Cromwell. He's a little sinister for me, though. Although, is Per Callahan kind of sinister? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think um, I'm looking at him right now. And yeah, I, I mean, he's his old, old age right now is like, he looks a little rough. But like, you go back like five or six years when he didn't have the beard. Mm-hmm. And like, he could, yeah, he could definitely pull it off. I do love that he's like, an animal rights person though he's been like arrested trying to like save cats and stuff and i went i as soon as i googled him it's like a picture of him and a pig sitting on a rock (laughs) okay i'm on board with him now okay let's see here uh tim says oh so he went for people who can act he picked daniel day lewis which i can see that like you know um uh there will be blood era daniel day lewis i can see that what do you think Mm. yeah um no daniel are you googling <laughs> I forgot about this is a function of this dreamcasting. It's I don't actually know anything like, about who? anybody, so uh yeah. Um yeah, yeah. This guy I don't know, Lewis, like, there will be blood. Let me let me pull that up for you. But yeah, you when I'm looking like, at these pictures, like he pulls off an okay Tesla um looking guy, but he does not pull off Abraham Lincoln very well. <laughs> There's some civil war pictures of him in this list, and the they look pretty like he looks pretty crazed yeah okay all right so that's i think that's a good one he also said he's got a few he said clint eastwood which would be very meta right if if clint eastwood came in and played pair calhan <laughs> considering he was like the inspiration for roland bruce dern he's in 70 oh okay yeah, yeah yeah i recognize this dude yeah very good actor um definitely has the look i could see that he can be very scary 
Um, what? No, see. no Burt Runnels in this? Not yet. Although, he, yeah, okay. Michael Caine. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And then he says, if he can cast posthumously, he would also say Max von Sydow, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing would be interesting. Actually, I'm on board with Peter Cushing. Although, can he do an American accent? I don't know. I feel like he always has his like Peter Cushing British accent. Martin Landau or George Carlin. George, See, Carlin? George Carlin is a twist. I kind of like it. What do you think? I, George Carlin's a weird one, but he does have like the Gary Busey energy that I, I always love. So like, I, I think that like, I guess for me, I'm like looking for more Wiley. So uh, Peter Cushing, like he's like the, he was the star, the star Wars guy, right? Like yeah. the, the captain. Uh-huh. He, he like has almost too much gravitas in his in his face, but like George Carlin definitely has like a swing of gravitas and goofiness that I I feel like would lend itself well to a preacher. And yeah. the reason I like lean towards Goofy, have you ever been to like a Fire and Brimstone church event? Yes. So then you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Like yes. the person that is up there is never like one tone. They're like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're they're like and now i'm quiet and now i'm really big and uh-huh. now I'm quiet and 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 you lean in and then you're really big again and like that's the kind of thing i feel like his characters sort of um in it, 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 it like makes me want that sort of person and, yeah. and so like a few of these actors when we mention them i'm like i don't know if he can go small big in the way that is like yeah. stupid over the top dramatic that i would expect for like a fire and brimstone preacher who is like battle vampires <laughs> and is now like living in another world. Yeah. You know what I think he'd be perfect is he would nail the like disdain. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like when, when he went up and was like, you're cowards, like George Carlin would say that to you. And you'd be like, ouch, that hurts. And yes, please. I'll take another, you know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> so I, I, I'm kind of on board with George Carlin, but only if he plays it as his character, Rufus, <laughs> from uh, bill and ted's excellent adventure well george carlin's like best stuff was when he was like describing how words are used yeah and like going back and forth and that is like almost uh right out of the page of like a very dramatic church (laughs) event yeah i think george carlin is an inspired choice i mean these are all these have all been really good but that's the one i went like my gut went like yes Yep. okay uh james says liam neeson i think liam neeson has a more of a rolling vibe for me but yeah same i like him though and he's so like big and imposing that might work him and dark man where he's like barely acting <laughs> right i think are they making a new dark man i don't know i'm i'm all, I all would, on board i love the original too. even if it's bad like i love it is in the a good original bad, way. bad i liked it it's Maybe not it bad. bad it's just like liam neeson with like way too many face prosthetics getting mad is more like someone yeah. who has their mouth full of like cheesy bread <laughs> trying to talk to you <laughs> Cheesy bread. Okay, Sheldon says I've heard it a couple times, but Michael Caine, which I I I can see that he definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd also like to suggest Robert Duvall. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, Robert Duvall, I probably do. You probably do. He's been around forever. He was, I mean, like forever. I don't know if I'm seeing him. Like maybe young him. Yeah. But older him, like he's kind of. It looks like he's changed shape and face a bit from young to old. Well, I mean, he's like a million years old ed harris i just saw a picture of ed harris next to him that's an that's another interesting choice hmm. ed harris 
Again, although he kind of has another like a Rolandy vibe because he's got the super blue eyes. Okay. Oh, this is interesting. Damien says, I have to go with Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen, really? Yeah, I'm kind of into that. I just rewatched Aliens again because uh for the Here's Johnny podcast, because Larry had never seen it, which blows my freaking mind. But... You know, uh Lance Hendrickson does have uh, the Gary Busey face. Like yes! he's got the eyes, the teeth, and like in his older age, like um I met him a couple of times. Yeah. And like as an older man, he's like a little bit like scatterbrained and, and goofy. <laughs> so I like... love him. He's he's such an odd bodkin. And I could see that as someone who had survived, you know. A face-off with, I can't remember the name of the vampire, but yeah, I can see yep, that. Yep, Okay, Land Henderson. I like that. That's a good one, too. All right, John says he has to pick two people to play him, one being J- James Cromwell. James Cromwell seems to be in the lead here, who has already played him in 2000. Oh, he, I guess this makes sense. He already played him in 2000 in the 2004 movie of Salem's Lot. Or George Goodall, because when I, his rendering of Callahan in the audiobooks is in my mind, uh, I'm like, this is how Callahan should sound, or at least use him in an anime version of the of the series. Now that's another interesting question. I could, I would get on board with that if it was an anime version, like having the author of the book, obviously one of the two R.I.P. authors of the books, as do some of the voices would be interesting. So then the last one comes from Samantha, who suggests the classic. Christopher Plummer. So I, I just, I put a link for you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> he is also, I believe, deceased. But you know what? This is our dream casting. So we we do what we want, okay? We will call him back from beyond the veil to be in our dream movie. Oh, he looks just like Victor Borga. I can't tell you actors, but I can tell you, like, famous comedian musicians. Victor Borga was the yeah. guy that, like, did all this silly piano stuff back in the, like, 70s and 80s. Yeah, they, I, I can see that. They look similar. Awesome. Okay, so I feel like there were some really interesting ideas in here. The ones that really stand out to me are George Carlin and Lance Hendrickson. But honestly, there's not a bad idea in the bunch. There's usually one where I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but these are all pretty great. <laughs> so that's fun. I don't know about you. I love these dream castings. So I actually, for the next episode, I want to do it again. Um, I Again, it's not someone who showed up in this episode. And this one's a little bit different. I want you guys to tell me who you think should do the voice of Andy the robot. So think about great. that. Think the about it. The voice of Andy the robot. Yep, you got two weeks. I'm going to put it in the uh, on the Facebook group as well. But for those of you who are not on the Facebook group but would still like to participate, please drop us an email at at castofcaw at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z dot com. Um, or you can join us on the Facebook group and comment over there. And uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter at ZG Podcasts, plural. So you could follow us there and you could DM us, slide into the old DMs with your answer. However you want to get those answers to us. We want to hear them. And if you are enjoying the show, we ask that you do us a huge favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your pods. If you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar. We keep track of all the spooky doings on the streamings and on the VODs on the Zombie Girls website. And if you, while you're there and you want to check out some really cool merch, you can do so at uh, zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And if you love the show and you want to support us and you want to get some of the good extended content, like today we, today is, it's not just 
Friday. It is not just hang out with Rachel and DJ day. It is also Disney plus day. And so, uh, half of my brain has been participating in this and the other half of it has been getting very excited about all the news that came out of that today. So I want to get DJ's take on it. Cause I know what I'm excited about. So I want to see what he thinks of it. So we're going to be talking about all the stuff, all the news that came out of that. And, uh, I guess that's kind of it for now. Um, if, unless you're sticking around for the extended episode, DJ, if they want some more of you in their life, where can they find you on the internet? Well, guys, if you are a Patreon, you can swing over to the Discord and see me post non sequiturs every day <laughs> in the chat without reading any of the other stuff that's going on and just randomly dropping bloops in there. Also, there's pictures of my dogs. Um, you can still hop over to deadlander.com and check out the cast. It is on mild hiatus right now as Matt moves from another house. And then if you want to go back 10 or 15 years, you can swing over to YouTube and watch stuff that still gets commented on to this day from the early aughts. You make good content, dude. like it wasn't that far back, but it is still pretty far back. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. You just, uh, you just made quality content. It's timeless, you know? Yeah, I, like, I got a, one of my videos that has like 300,000 views from like 2009. Nice. <laughs> like someone's like... This is so freaking useful, even today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to see what you're going to do because, like, you're reviving. We're going to be reviving your YouTube career soon. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. I got a green screen downstairs. Maybe I can start doing puppets. It's time. The time has come. <laughs> it is. It, you've been talking about this as long as I've known you. The time has come. Let me know if you need any help with crafting. <laughs> 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 anyway, okay, cool. So. Where can people find me on the internet? You can find me on the Slimy Girls podcast where we review horror films from a feminist perspective. You can find me on More Deli where we review horror films exclusively directed by women identified directors. You can find me on Stream Queens where we review horror films that stream on the internet. You can find me on the Untitled Nick Cage show where we review uh, the we don't really review. We discuss the works of the, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Cage. We just did racing with the moon and next up we're doing our holiday episode so i think we're gonna do i think it's family man so that's that's next on the docket for that what movie um, won't that guy do <laughs> i love nick cage and i love him when he was like you know academy award nick cage i loved him as like 90s action hero nick cage nick cage and i love him as in like i have irs issues era nick cage like, i love it all <laughs> Um, and then I recently guested on the Here's Johnny podcast, or as I referred to earlier, we reviewed Aliens because Larry had never seen Aliens before, which is wild. And it's my all time favorite movie. Like, not even close. Number one. Uh, and then next week, I'm going to be on an episode of Trick or Treat Radio, which I've never been on before. I'm a little nervous. Um, you know, it's always the first time you podcast with two people you never know how the vibe's gonna be but i am really really excited about it we're gonna be talking about the movie titan which if you have not seen it it is a wild ride that i cannot get out of my brain anyway so that's where you can find me on the internet um i guess that's it for us unless you're sticking around for the extended episode where like i said we're going to be talking I, first of all i want to talk a little bit about halloween because halloween just passed and i i need to talk about your costume dj <laughs> um and then we're going to talk about disney plus day 
and just kind of like, I just want to pick your brain. Like, what's exciting to you? Any of this grabbing your attention? And maybe it'll turn into a larger conversation about streaming services and like, which ones are essential and which ones are not. Anyway, that's it for us. DJ, take us out. Thanks for listening to another exciting episode of The Cast of Ka, where our muffin balls are tucked in our pants safely and out of public. <laughs> Good night. Did you see that they have croc nuts now that you can I, get? I don't know. I see, I, I see those in the chat, but I don't know if that's just like a joke meme or if that's like legit. No, no. I, you can buy them. Really? <laughs> that was from the marketplace. I screenshotted that myself. Damn. Yeah, like, give me them croc nuts. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening and to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the extended episode. We are going to be talking. First of all, I just got to get it off my chest. Like every year, somebody wins Halloween. (laughs) <laughs> and this year, I think it was a tie. It was a tie between you, DJ, and that dog that was dressed up like Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> but since I can't get him on the podcast, he is booked and blessed. I have you, the other winner of Halloween. Tell everyone what you dressed up as. Uh, so my wife year. and I went as uh, Zat Brannigan and um, Leela from Futurama. Amazing. And, like found some like old uh, rain boots and converted them over to like white shiny shoes. Amazing. And, and like got the gloves, got the hair. Like I ended up finding um, I forget what the name of the British singer is, but you, you know the like the guy that's like a heartthrob right now for younger girls and like has like the floppy hair. Like got that kind of hair to go uh-huh. go for my Zat Brannigan costume to like make it like yeah at a wild night and, and then I memorized a bunch of Zach Brannigan phrases and realized how problematic that character is and like oh he's the worst a... but that also he's also kind of the best <laughs> and so like I I walked into the party and like used a couple of lines and like immediately one of our friends is like can you stop i'm like yeah absolutely were you asking everyone to feel your velour <laughs> no, and, um there's like there was a line that was like uh God, um i already forgot it now but yeah it, it was bad i went through like one of those youtube channels where it's like the best of zap brannigan and yeah. it's like 14 minutes of him saying offensive things <laughs> i memorized them and then realized that was probably a bad idea so yeah yeah that's uh it worked out pretty good um in the future i might uh expand on the costume um i did wear my uh, uh g-string uh, underneath of the amazing the, <laughs> the verisimilitude <laughs> so like the, the short skirt paid off um yeah and so that was my halloween did you go any, as anything crazy rachel i didn't like everyone around me is still like too freaked out to throw a halloween party but i did i did have fun on halloween though we had some guests over we like had a like fired up the grill we got a projector and watched like a bunch of stuff on the wall and you know watched spooky stuff on the wall and just like hung out i mean it's not the most exciting thing but it was really it was nice because last year we didn't get to do anything at all so it was not and we carved pumpkins and stuff that was just kind of like great to like acknowledge a holiday felt Mm -hmm. really nice um but yeah the it was i had no idea you were dressing up or anything i was just like one of the rare times that I was on Facebook and I like, and I wasn't just like my feeling like my life was being wasted because in the feed it's just popped up. You're like doing like a karate kick to the camera <laughs> in your, 
in your velour. And I was just like, DJ, <laughs> you need to put this in the Discord. <laughs> if you want a chill Facebook to follow, I post zero drama, I only know, home improvement po- projects, yes. art projects, and dogs. Yes. Yes. Your Facebook feed is like how the way I feel about your Facebook feed, the way I feel about our discord, which is just like only people I liked posting things about things I'm interested in. Yeah. Like <laughs> I know people get too, too wrapped yeah. up in like what they post yeah. and like it, it turns sour really fast. Yeah. Like just, just keep it happy, man. Like you do something cool, like take a picture of it. You have fun for a day, take a picture of it. Like that's all I really yeah. want. I don't yep. want to hear about your weird conspiracy, you know, uh,